0: This is The Rundown. The rundown. The rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. Welcome in to another edition of The Rundown. Live from the Auction Community Studios. I am Jordan Bird filling in for Luke Lipinski on this Monday evening. And thank you to Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys for furthering this NFL offseason conversation. I mean, based off of some of the Twitter feed here at Arizona Sports today, I know people were not very pleased about the Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson trade talk. And so at least for your benefit, if you're one of those people that were in that camp, we get to put a new lacquer of paint on things right now here on the rundown and take a look at this quarterback situation for Kyler Murray and the Cardinals and just the quarterback situation in general in the NFL, now through the prism, that is the new Dak Prescott contract to remain the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. It was multiple people reporting it. I believe it was Adam Schefter first, though. A four-year, $160 million contract that is going to include $126 million guaranteed. These numbers are mind-numbing. They really are. And it just highlights the day and age that we're now in, in the NFL. And that is even if you are marginally good, and I don't mean marginally good to insult the talents of Dak Prescott, but really we're talking about a quarterback that in the grand scheme of things, hasn't accomplished much at all, especially team wise, getting these ridiculous contracts. This is now what it costs to do business in the NFL with a quarterback, especially a young quarterback. I know that's not necessarily Dak Prescott falling into that young category, But when you look at it through the eyes of the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray, get ready because this is what it's going to be. This is what the Arizona Cardinals are going to be faced with here in another season from now. And so even if you are a quarterback that has not had the team success or the individual success, you have Dak Prescott, who with the Dallas Cowboys has not really accomplished anything. A few years ago, you had a quarterback in Jared Goff, who was the inverse of it. He had great team success, but individually, he wasn't looked upon as one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL yet. Even though now he's part of the Detroit Lions, he's still one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. This is what it takes to do business in the NFL. And specifically for the Arizona Cardinals, when it pertains to Kyler Murray, I cannot help but think something that I brought up on the rundown last week. And that was in reference to the signing of J.J. Watt and how bringing the three-time defensive player of the year to Arizona, how it applied pressure on three specific individuals, Steve Kime, Cliff Kingsbury, and Kyler Murray. And now with this Dak Prescott contract extension or new contract for Dak, it's the same. It applies still because Cliff Kingsbury, Steve Kime, and Kyler Murray, now have extra added pressure to take advantage of Kyler Murray on his current deal. Because you're giving out contracts where guys are going to get over $40 million a year and so much guaranteed money, you need to have that type of flexibility with the rest of your roster. And the only way you can really do that is when you have a young, talented quarterback and you try to maximize that time frame. And that's the window that the Arizona Cardinals are in right now. I mean, because let's be honest, when Kyler Murray is due for an extension, you have to pay him because what are the alternatives? You decide to let it play out and you, or heaven forbid you even decide to go a different route with a guy. I mean, there's this is a Cardinals organization that historically has had very few and far between quarterbacks that have really been game changers. You can count them on one hand, Kurt Warner, Carson Palmer, And depending on your point of view, Jake Plummer, I would put Jake in that class, but not even on the same level as Kurt and Carson. So, I mean, this is not an illustrious history of Arizona Cardinal quarterbacks. And so if you have a quarterback in the form of Kyler Murray that has shown great potential, that has been successful, yeah, he has some blemishes, he has some rough spots. You have to be able to take advantage of this while that young quarterback is still on this very manageable, team-friendly deal. And, you know, mixed in with all of the Deshaun Watson talk, if you're just joining us, there was a lot of hubbub made on the station today about the article and the comments made from John McClain, the Houston Texans NFL writer for the Houston Chronicle, who was saying that, yeah, you know, upon hindsight, I would trade Kyler Murray for Deshaun Watson if I'm the Houston Texans. And there's been a lot of Cardinal fans that have been up in arms about this saying, well, I mean, one, you have Kyler way cheaper than Deshaun Watson right now. You have him younger. And let's not underestimate what Kyler Murray has already accomplished in two years of NFL quarterbacking. He's a two-time pro bowler. Now, one of them, he was an alternate. He was a fill in, if you will, but the facts are the facts. And Kyler Murray is a two-time pro bowler. and, One of the things that I have always harped on in the idea of Kyler Murray and trying to gauge his early career success is that NFL fans in general have been spoiled by quarterbacks that have come right before Kyler Murray, specifically Pat Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, guys that were league MVPs in their second seasons of being an NFL quarterback. And that's just not realistic. It's not sustainable to continue to produce quarterbacks that in their second or third year of being in the league are considered the best player in the league. That's just not sustainable. And so sometimes I think we underestimate or overlook what Kyler Murray has already achieved here in Arizona. And like I said, it doesn't mean that Kyler is perfect. There are still areas that he certainly needs to improve his game on. But just because Kyler Murray hasn't won an MVP trophy entering into his third year does not mean that he is some scribino that we should throw out onto the scrap heap or some guy that will not get a type of max contract when it is available. So it's just something to keep in mind when you think about all of this stuff that you've been hearing lately in terms of Kyler Murray and a trade for Deshaun Watson, or now the news of the moment, the contract extension for Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, potentially, I mean, let's be honest with Kyler being on his rookie deal and Steve Kime already showing a willingness to kind of go for it in the 2021 season by signing J.J. Watt, the window is now. And if the Cardinals can have success this upcoming season, then it would only mean that Kyler Murray is even further going to earn that type of extension that has been handed out to far less talented quarterbacks in the NFL. All right, it's time now for the rundown rapid reaction. The Rundown. Rapid reaction. reaction, Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories. Well, number one is obviously the Dak Prescott news, so we'll go to two through four here on the top stories. Number one was Blake Griffin agreeing to a contract with the Brooklyn Nets. Of course, last week he was bought out by the Detroit Pistons. So Blake Griffin now joins Brooklyn, a team that looks like a killer all-star roster from just a few years ago. You already have Kyrie, you've got KD, you've got James Harden. This is a talented team, and I know some people, there was Jay Williams on ESPN Radio earlier this morning claiming that you can basically put the Eastern Conference, wrap it up with a bow, and hand it to Brooklyn. I don't know if I would go to that extent, but it does raise the question of whether the Phoenix Suns will be one of these teams here in the near future, be it the trade deadline, however unlikely that might be, or more possible more of a possibility going the route of bringing in a bought-out player like Blake Griffin. So for Phoenix, you think, okay, they're a contender. They're second in the West right now. Record-wise, they have the second-best record in all of the NBA. This is a team that would be a buyer. But what do they really need to buy? Because this is a team that has been built upon depth. And at any given game, at certain points of this season... Guys 1 through 12 have really helped contribute to the start that the Phoenix Suns are off to. So just something to keep an eye on, the Phoenix Suns and the buyout market in the NBA. Number two, yesterday we had the NBA All-Star Game. No Devin Booker, which for me personally took a lot of the luster out of the All-Star Weekend in Atlanta. I was going to watch the skills competition. I was going to watch the three-point competition. Booker sat out the weekend due to banging knees and that last game with Golden State. And so he did not participate, did not make the trip to Atlanta. So it took a little bit of the luster off of that for me personally. But Chris Paul, what was it, 16 assists in that All-Star game? He now has past Magic Johnson for the most assists in All-Star game history. So a tip of the cap to CP3. He also converted on an alley-oop dunk, which... It's something that we're not really accustomed to seeing with Chris Paul now at this point in his career. But it was nice to see the Phoenix Suns still well represented with Chris Paul representing Phoenix in Atlanta, even though Devin Booker was out. And then number three, Travis Etienne, the Clemson running back who has been phenomenal for the Tigers throughout his collegiate career, telling Fox Sports over the weekend, that his dream scenario is being drafted by the Arizona Cardinals with the 16th pick in the first round. And as ridiculous as that does sound, I mean, let's be honest, the Cardinals are not going to draft a running back that high. I would love to have a player of the talent and capability of Travis Etienne, but I think it does show a positive light that this franchise is still looked upon. You had J.J. Watt out of nowhere signing with the Arizona Cardinals, showing a commitment and a want-to to to be a part of Arizona and their organization, and that's a three-time Defensive Player of the Year, a well-established veteran, now you have a rookie, a guy coming in out of college who is looking at Cliff Kingsbury's system and looking at Kyler Murray and looking at the other weapons that are already here in Arizona and saying, you know what, that is a team that I would love to be a part of. That is my dream scenario. Even though... The way the Cardinals season ended, the 2020 year, as it kind of just limped to the finish and the Cardinals missed out on the playoffs, we're starting to see more and more glimpses during this offseason of how the rest of the football world perceives the Arizona Cardinals. Now, can they translate that into wins and success in 2021? That's going to be a different story. Coming up next here on The Rundown, we'll turn our attention to the Phoenix Suns because at the halfway part of the regular season, the Suns are sitting close to the top of the Western Conference standings. But is it time that we start talking about award watch for members of the Phoenix Suns organization? That's coming up next here on 987 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Rundown, 987 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Jordan Bird here with you on this Monday evening. And for Luke Lipinski tonight, he's got Coyote duty as they're taking on the Colorado Avalanche a little bit later on this evening. The Phoenix Suns at the halfway mark, the all-star break of this slightly condensed 2020-2021 NBA season. The number two team in the Western Conference standings, just right behind the Utah Jazz, ahead of the Clippers, ahead of the Lakers. It's been a fun season. It has rejuvenated a lot of longtime Phoenix Suns fans, myself included, who have struggled and have just grinded through the last decade of being a fan of this NBA basketball team. Earlier today, I was listening to Bickley and Murata, and they were talking about, you know, for those Suns fans who may not know what it's like to be in a playoff push, if you've become a Suns fan over the last 10 years, you don't know what that's like. And I thought, who in their right mind has become a Suns fan within the last 10 years? I mean, (laughs) you got to be a glutton for punishment if that really is the case, that during all of those 19, 20-win seasons, you said, you know what, I'm going to hitch my wagon to that Phoenix Suns organization that just year after year is going to be in the top five of the NBA lottery. So it's a brave new world that we're living in this year for the Phoenix Suns. And for a lot of longtime fans— It's a sense of normalcy. It's what's right in the world because the Phoenix Suns have traditionally before the last decade have always been one of the premier win loss NBA franchises in the league. I mean, even though they have yet to win an NBA title and even though they've only been to two NBA finals, you know, before this last decade, the Suns were one of the top teams in the NBA in terms of. Career winning percentage. And so it just feels right. It feels refreshing to be back in that moment. And obviously, with the success on the court, there's going to start to come a lot of attention and the focus is going to start to shift. And right now is kind of a nice time to do this where you look at what has happened in the first half of the season and try to look ahead to the second half of the season and pick and choose. Why the Suns have been so dramatically different. And I think without question, the most obvious answer is the addition of Chris Paul. But if the Phoenix Suns continue to keep this up, they're going to be in line for some real hardware potential at the end of this season. Now, Monty Williams was already looked at at the beginning part of this year as a real candidate for coach of the year. Based off of how the Suns ended last year with the 8-0 bubble run in Orlando and the addition of Chris Paul projecting ahead to what that could mean, the Suns finally breaking that playoff drought, it was a no-brainer that Monty Williams would be a candidate for that. And I think he still obviously is. And if we're talking about a Phoenix Suns organization that is still in the top half of the Western Conference or in the top three, the top two, when it comes to playoff seeding time, then I think Monty Williams has a very good... Potential of just being a shoe in for that. But there's also some other guys within this Phoenix Suns team that could be getting some accolades in the postseason. The other one is James Jones the general manager of the Phoenix Suns. And to his credit, he has taken some criticism over the years, mainly for his draft picks, the Cam Johnson selection this past year, the selection of Jalen Smith, which that one still certainly seems to be a work in progress. But even the trade that required or that brought in Dario Saric, you know, there's been some criticism without question of James Jones. But yesterday, before the NBA All-Star Game and during his media availability, LeBron James heaped praise upon the sun's general manager. Now keep in mind, keep in context that LeBron James and James Jones did play together. So these guys are boys. These guys are friends. So it's not like a bitter rival, the way the LA Lakers are, you know, going out of character and praising the general manager of a team within their division, but it still speaks volumes to the job that James Jones has done.
1: He should get the majority of the credit. Um, and the reason why is because he put he put that team together and then he pressed the button to get CP3 to Phoenix. And we all know CP3's resume. When CP3 goes to a team, they automatically becomes a better team. And James Jones pressed that button. Um, you know, I love what he does. First of all, he's a great man, great family man, great person. Um, and he's good, and he's damn good at what he does. And, um, you know, I don't think a lot of people have talked about that um, you know, coming into the season of the job that James Jones has done in Phoenix. Um, but he sh- he deserves, you know, pretty much all the crime. I mean, he hired Monty Williams, um, you know, made the trade for CP, and they're sitting up in top the top uh, of the league with one of the best records. So um, the proof is in the pudding, as they as they, as they would say.
0: Once again, if the Suns can continue to hold their spot in the hierarchy of the Western Conference, James Jones should be a legitimate candidate for executive of the year in the NBA. But there's a few other guys, albeit very unlikely of happening, that I still feel like should get their due. And one of them actually was given that due by the Ringers' Kevin O'Connor today in a piece where he was doing his NBA team rankings at the All-Star break. He had the Phoenix Suns' fifth overall in the entire league. But in his write-up, He was talking about how Dario Saric should be a candidate for sixth man of the year. Well, anyone who has watched the Phoenix Suns this season and even last year, I think really understands the importance of Dario and what he means to this Suns roster. And so I think that's another potential candidate. And then one that's really off the radar and, like I said, very, very unlikely, but I would just like for him to be a part of the conversation, is Mikel Bridges. For most improved player. Now, Mikel has always been a fantastic defender. He has been since he came in from Villanova his rookie year. But Mikel Bridges has really upped his offensive game this year as well. I mean, he is shooting 52% from the field, which is a career high. from three, and that has been a real revelation this season for the Suns, is the three-point shooting, especially when he gets in those corner spots and how that has helped the Phoenix Suns, while still maintaining his high level of defensive energy. So as unlikely as that is going to be, if the Suns can continue to stay near the top and can continue to be one of the more relevant teams in the NBA, the trickle-down effect comes to some of these guys individually. Once again, Mikael Bridges is not going to win most improved player of the year in the NBA, but I think that he could start getting some, some grumbling, some conversation started around him. And then I even went as far as thinking about MVP. Once again, highly, highly, highly unlikely. So don't quote me and say that that jackaloon that's on the rundown on Monday night filling in for Luke Lipinski is saying that Devin Booker or Chris Paul could be an MVP candidate. But if the Suns are going to continue to be one of the top teams in the entire NBA, there's going to be some consideration for who has been the main engine for that. Now, admittedly, my day job is I'm the producer of Burns and Gambo, and we were talking about this during the sh- uh, our show prep earlier, and Dave Burns brought up a great point. It's going to take votes away from one another. The you know there's going to be that thought that well it's the tandem of Chris Paul and Devin Booker together and not one or the other. So, you know, in terms of an election if you will, they're going to steal votes from one another and so they're not going to have enough of that weight to carry in terms of being part of the MVP conversation. It's just something to keep in mind though that this Phoenix Suns team as as a team continues to improve and gets better we might start hearing more on an individual basis. Well, the Dak Prescott new contract is dominating the sports world right now, and especially the conversation in the NFL. But there are some other notes within the National Football League that I do want to bring up. Within the NFC West division today, the Seahawks released their veteran defensive end, Carlos Dunlap. It clears $14.1 million in needed cap space for the Seattle Seahawks. And it takes away their best edge rusher. And you add in the fact of the, the ongoing saga that has happened with Russell Wilson and these trade rumors and these destinations. Oh, by the way, one of uh, Russell Wilson's preferred trade des- destinations has been taken off the board now with the extension of Dak Prescott. It was New Orleans, Chicago, Dallas, and the Las Vegas Raiders. So if that was actually true, one of those is off the board and it's now down to three. I love how dysfunctional Seattle's offseason has been so far. Now, that doesn't have any real bearing on what could transpire once we get into the fall. But Seattle has always been kind of this hoity-toity no- nose up in the air. You know, we're we're such a great culture. We're such a everybody-love-everybody everybody with Pete Carroll and singing Kumbaya like we did at USC. And that it always kind of irked me the wrong way. That It's almost like the the family or the friends that you may have that come off and they perceive to be like this perfect image of what it means to be a couple or to be a family. And then the more you get to know them, you're like, man, there's some real cracks beneath the surface there. And that's not something that you typically want to celebrate. I mean, I'm not trying to compare that dynamic of a family or a couple to a football team. So I think it's easier to have that type of feeling of being a little giddy to celebrate in the, the wallows of the Seattle Seahawks right now, just because that they have put it out there for basically ever since they got Russell Wilson of we're this model organization and we can do no wrong and we treat everyone so great and everyone loves to be here. There was that article a few years ago about after the Seahawks lost the Super Bowl to New England on the play where they should have given the ball to Marshawn Lynch to run it in from the one yard line how there was some issues with the Seattle defenders and Russell Wilson and the Seahawks offense. These are digging much deeper. Now these wounds are cutting far deeper. And as a Cardinal fan and someone who despises the Seattle Seahawks just strictly as an organization because they're a rival of my favorite team. I love it. And I can, I hope it continues and we start to continue to see the dissolve aspect of this Seattle Seahawks organization. A few other notes going on in the NFL, though. Uh, Tom Brady apparently might be getting closer to an extension with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jason Lockenfora in a piece today on CBSSports.com even went as far as saying that an extension could be to add three more years. That would put Tom Brady at 47, which it just seems mind-boggling that you could have an NFL player pushing 50 still playing in the NFL and still contributing at a level where you would want a Tom Brady who is getting paid something like that. But as much as I'm not a huge Tom Brady fan, the reality is, if anyone was able to do it, wouldn't it be Tom Brady? A guy who has been almost religious with the way that he takes care of his body and has still to this day this swagger and a chip on his shoulder. And especially with the way that the NFL's rules have changed over the years and protecting the quarterback, it's almost like being the, uh, you know, what was that when you would play flag football? It was the automatic quarterback, you know, the guy who would just stand back there and be the quarterback for both teams because he necessarily didn't want to run or didn't want to, he may had a bum knee or a bum ankle or something like that. So he would just constantly be the quarterback for both teams and just stand back there and have real no physical exertion to have to put out there. That's kind of what it's like now for Tom Brady, and it's kind of like that now in the NFL, the way that they have protected these quarterbacks. And then just one other note here real quick, Zach Ertz and the Philadelphia Eagles, they may be coming to a divorce here soon, as it is uh, being reported that Zach Ertz might be traded, the talented tight end, one of the more underrated tight ends in this day and age of Gronk and Kelsey and uh, George Kittle. You still got a guy like Zach Ertz who can contribute and be a key piece to a team moving forward. So Dak Prescott and his new contract is dominating the NFL headlines, but there still are some other pieces, some nuggets out there in the NFL that you need to keep an eye on. Coming up next here on The Rundown, the Arizona Cardinals. We are getting closer and closer to the beginning of NFL free agency, and we have no idea still about the future of Patrick Peterson and Larry Fitzgerald. That's next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Jordan Bird back here with you inside the Auction Community Studios, filling in for Luke Lipinski tonight. We're starting to see more and more activity in the NFL offseason, players getting released, players getting new contracts, such as Dak Prescott and his record $128 million guarantee from the Dallas Cowboys. NFL free agency begins next week. March 17th is when players can now officially start signing with new teams in free agency. It's bizarre that we haven't had any real concrete idea yet on the future of two of the more important Arizona Cardinal players over the last decade, plus Patrick Peterson and Larry Fitzgerald. Now, I think one of those is easier than the other. I really do believe that Patrick Peterson has played his final down for the Arizona Cardinals. I believe he has an inflated price in his mind of what he thinks he is worth. And if he can go out and get it from another team, more power to you. But the more I have seen Patrick Peterson recently, and to be brutally honest, it's been ever since the PED suspension. He just hasn't been the same player. And so if Patrick Peterson believes that he's going to get $11, 12000000 million from the Arizona Cardinals, in my humble personal opinion... I believe that is not worth it for the Arizona Cardinals when they still have other areas that they need to attack. And I know a lot of people out there might say, well, then who's going to be your number one corner? Who who are you going to get? Well, you can still pay a cornerback that figure, but Patrick Peterson is no longer elite. Patrick Peterson was getting defensive pass interference calls and was complaining all season long about how receivers would run him across the middle and he would get picked by linebackers and other wide receivers. And it's like, man, that's that's part of the gig. That's part of the job. You got to evolve. And the one thing that I will forever believe that Patrick Peterson should do is the route of Antrell role at once he lost a step, if you will, he converted himself to a safety and found new life there. I think Patrick Peterson, though, is too proud to move to the safety position because it would almost be an acknowledgement that I am no longer that elite corner that I continue to be. And every time you hear Patrick Peterson talk about why he should be re-signed by the Cardinals or why he has deserved to be a high-paid cornerback, it's a resume that is history, not in the moment or even in the future. It's always, well, I was named to the all-decade team, or I was consecutive however many years a pro bowler. Well, that's all well and good, but that's not the reality of the situation as we currently stand right now. You know, I mean, I could say, you know, hey, I used to be able to uh, run X amount of uh, miles. Well, now due to COVID and a newborn baby and packing on 60 pounds, I'm not able to do that. I used to be able to do that, but that's no longer the case in our present situation. And that's something that I think Patrick Peterson continues to hold on to this idea that because of what I have already accomplished, I am deserving of a contract or a deserving of such and such dollar figure. When reality it needs to be more about what are you capable of still doing? And so for Patrick Peterson, I have made my peace that he is no longer be gonna be a member of Arizona Cardinals. Um I came to that realization. During the season, to be quite frank, when I saw him get burned yet again or saw him pick up another defensive pass interference call, I've already made my peace with that. Larry Fitzgerald is a little bit more complicated, I feel like, because of the notoriety and what he means to the Arizona Cardinals organization. Now, last week when I was filling in for Luke on this show, I said that it's time for Larry to retire or go to a different team, go to a contender. It's time for Larry Fitzgerald's time with the Arizona Cardinals to be over. I had a buddy text me after the show, and he was freaking out. How could you say that? that? That's unbelievable. That's so ridiculous. Well, once again, it's being based in reality and not off past experiences. Larry Fitzgerald is no longer that wide receiver from the 2008 season, 2009 playoff run that was scoring three touchdowns a game. And it's okay to admit that, Cardinal fans. It's okay to say that he is no longer the player he used to be because that is the truth. That is the reality. And just because you might say that or agree with what I'm saying doesn't mean that you're running the legacy of Larry Fitzgerald through the mud. I mean, Jerry Rice, when he ended his career, he was not the player that he once was at his height when he was with the San Francisco 49ers. I saw Jerry Rice play... In a Seattle Seahawks uniform. That was not the Jerry Rice that made him a Hall of Famer. And so for Larry Fitzgerald, I want to see him move on for the sake of the organization. Because I feel like with Larry continuing to come back, it somewhat hamstrings Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury in what they need to do and what they want to do with that offense. Christian Kirk is a perfect slot corner or slot wide receiver. And as long as Larry Fitzgerald continues to be a member of this roster, he will hold down that spot. He will be that slot-wide receiver for Arizona. You're not going to bench Larry Fitzgerald. But it's also mucking up the system when it comes to moving players who might be better suited in that spot. And I know Larry Fitzgerald, over the last few years, has signed these $11 million contracts a year. And if he were to come back to the Cardinals... That he was not going to make that type of money. But as I said last week, he's also not going to take $3 million or $4 million. It's going to be a figure that is still probably not equivalent to the type of production that he is going to give you. Now, admittedly, that is not 100% on Larry Fitzgerald. That is also on Cliff Kingsbury or to even an extent, Kyler Murray for not involving Larry Fitzgerald more. But as of right now, I feel like the Cardinals at the wide receiver position cannot move on and start to retool that position room completely with Larry Fitzgerald in there. Because as long as he's a member of the roster, you got to put number 11 in there. And so, as much as I it pains me to say, it's time to move on. It's time for both sides to agree that either you hang it up, you go on to the TV booth, the TV studio, you go on to start all your entrepreneurial aspects, go to a different team. If Larry Fitzgerald went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or even the Minnesota Vikings, which I think are the only logical destinations for him if he were to leave the Cardinals, I'm not going to hate on him. I mean, Minnesota is his home. Tampa Bay is Bruce Arians. It's Byron Leftwich. It's Tom Brady. And as we stand right now, it's also a far better chance at winning a Super Bowl in the Arizona Cardinals. Now, that could all change by the time we get to the 2021 season, but I'm not going to hate on Larry Fitzgerald if he were to leave the organization. He will always and forever be remembered as an Arizona Cardinal, even if he doesn't end his career here in Arizona. It's just amazing to me, though, that we're still in such limbo with both of these individuals. Now, I know the, the Patrick Peterson situation is different because he's going to actually have to test free agency, but the further we get away from the season and the longer we drag into the off season with no news on Larry Fitzgerald, to me it has to mean that a decision has been made, but the Cardinals and Fitzgerald are just figuring out how to present it, how to unleash that info. Someone on the station brought up a great point last week. If Larry Fitzgerald's going to retire, you weren't going to do it last week after you signed JJ Watt and had all this positive momentum and all this positive press going in the direction of the Arizona Cardinals, you're not going to get rid of that by announcing that Larry Fitzgerald's going to retire, because once we get that announcement, if we get that announcement, that's going to be a firestorm here in Arizona and throughout the NFL. Because Larry Fitzgerald's a first-ballot Hall of Famer, there's no question about it. But just because he's a first ballot hall of famer does not mean that he needs to continue to wring out the last bits of football that he has when it would probably behoove the Arizona Cardinals to turn the page and move in a different direction. It's going to be fascinating. It's almost, uh, it's, I mentioned earlier that I am uh, a freshly minted father. I have a seven week old at home and it kind, of remem- it kind of reminds me of having a pregnant wife of, having a being part of a couple with a baby on the way at the tail end, you know, something's going to happen soon, but you're just not sure when it's going to happen. And there's that excitement and even that nervousness about at any moment, something could happen. And I think that's where we're at now with Fitzgerald. Legitimately anything could happen or not anything could happen, but that news could come down at any given moment. It may even happen through the course of this show. It could happen at some point this week. I mean, we just don't know yet. But I think it's I, I think it's illogical to think that the Arizona Cardinals and Fitzgerald don't have a decision yet. Because if that is true, then Larry Fitzgerald is doing a disservice to the Arizona Cardinals being this close to free agency and not allowing the Cardinals to know what his decision is. Coming up next, here on the rundown with Jordan Bird filling in for Luke Lipinski, we'll turn our attention back to the Phoenix Suns right now. The Suns are sitting near the top of the Western Conference standings. How long can they keep that spot in those standings? That's next here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Jordan Bird in for Luke Lipinski on this Monday evening here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. I think we all can agree, that Suns fans at least, that this was going to be a good year for the Phoenix Suns. After building the momentum coming off the 8-0 bubble run, Uh, the addition of Chris Paul and just the development of some of the other players, uh, Mikel Bridges stepping up his game, Cam Johnson, the veteran addition of Jay Crowder and to lesser extents, Etwan Moore, and then bringing campaign back. We, I think we all were kind of in agreement that this was going to be a playoff potential type season for the Phoenix suns, especially when you take into consideration that the NBA has, has uh, continued to tweak their playoff eligibility and that if you're in the 9 seed or the 10 seed, you're going to be playing in a play-in game. I don't know if even I thought that the Suns were going to have the ceiling that they potentially now look like they might have. Because the Suns right now were number 2 in the Western Conference. And admittedly, they have caught some breaks where they have not had to play some of these teams with their key players. I mean, just this last week, for example, was the perfect example of that. You had no... Anthony Davis, no Kyle Kuzma, no Mark Gasol in that Laker game, the Golden State game. You had no Steph Curry. You had no Kelly Oubre, no Draymond Green. So the Suns have caught some breaks here and there. But there's no doubt that this is a talented team. And looking ahead to where this ceiling could be, I think is going to be a fascinating case study because they are still so young and raw and really the only guys with any legitimate playoff experience are Chris Paul and Jay Crowder. How does this team handle themselves now that the storyline has changed now that the expectations have changed now that they are no longer just looked at as this scrappy young team that can sneak up on you. They're going to be the favorite. in a lot of these games going on in the second half, Kevin Pelton from ESPN. He joined the Burns and Gambo show earlier today. And he was asked where he thinks the Phoenix Suns have the potential of ending up at the end of this season.
2: They've got an excellent chance at this point, I think, of finishing ahead of one of the Lakers or the Clippers. The way that those two teams have scuffled a little bit, the injuries that the Lakers have had, and then just how well the Suns have played. And you know, I think there's there's a reasonable chance that you're talking about this is the two seed in the West having home court advantage in a potential conference semifinals match against one of those two LA teams. Now, I mean, those LA teams, if they're healthy, are going to have more top-end talent, they're still going to be the favorites in those series. But if you have home court advantage in the second round, you got a shot. I'm going to take it a step
0: further. Why is the ceiling only the second seed? As we stand right now, the Phoenix Suns are two and a half games back of the Utah Jazz for the top spot in the West. Why can't that be the ceiling? Two and a half games is nothing with still 35-some-odd games left to go here in the second half of the regular season. And the the Suns have shown an ability – to beat these teams. They've beaten Utah. They've hung with the Clippers. You know They beat the Lakers. I know, like I said, they were down and out. But the Suns have shown the capability and the talent level to hang with these teams. Now, one thing, though, that we need to keep in mind as we get deeper and deeper into the second half of the season is it's easy to beat these guys, easy to beat these other contending teams, these other top teams in the conference, when it's December, when it's January. Things get a little bit different, though, as we get deeper into the regular season. Most notably, the level of play gets dialed up. The competition aspect of it gets dialed up a little bit. And that's something that Chris Paul said yesterday before the All-Star game and his media availability, is that the second half of the NBA season is a
3: lot tougher than the first. The biggest thing that we know is, yeah, the first half has been really good. And, you know, myself, Jay Crowder, and a few other guys, after our last game against Golden State, we spoke about how important the second half is. Because when you've got a young team and not necessarily been there, the second half is a lot harder. <laughs> you know, games get a lot more intense when guys start jockeying for a playoff position. So we're just going to stay the course, keep our head down, and keep doing the work. He's 100% right. But also
0: the Suns have the advantage of having a guy like Chris Paul, having a Jay Crowder, having a Monty Williams, having the infrastructure in place to hammer home to these young guys, even Devin Booker included, who has never even tasted playoff experience. The closest was the bubble run when the Suns had to keep winning games to keep their playing game hopes alive. You have these veterans and you have this head coach that will be a daily reminder that you cannot rest on your laurels. And I think that is something... That is an extra advantage for the Phoenix Suns. If this was a team that was doing all of this just off of their sheer sheer development or the young talent finally coming into their own, I think it would be a little bit of a different story and a little bit more in question whether they can keep this up. But when you have a guy like Chris Paul, who is just going to be a dog on these guys the rest of the season, making sure that they don't slip or that they don't... You know, Slack off in games against lesser competition, even though we have seen that at times in the first half of the season, that is going to be something that this Suns team can really take advantage of and I think can really be the driving engine to potentially getting atop the Western Conference standings. Well, NFL offseason is in full swing now. We are seeing contract extensions. Dak Prescott getting a four-year, $160 million contract extension with the Dallas Cowboys. We're seeing players starting to get released. And of course, the NFL draft just right around the corner. It will be here sooner than you think. And one of the players that I think if you're kind of a casual fan or if you've been big on college football, watch a lot of... Clemson or a lot of high-profile collegiate games, one player that immediately catches your eye is Travis Etienne, the running back for the Clemson Tigers. And let's just be frank right out of the gate. I don't think there's any way in God's green earth that the Arizona Cardinals are going to select a running back with the 16th overall pick. Uh, I just, that is not it is a need, but not as pressing of a need as some of the other areas that the Cardinals could explore with that selection offensive line cornerback maybe even uh, taking a look at wide receiver if the right guy were to fall I just don't think that's very likely but I do think it speaks volumes about the perception of the Arizona Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray I am the first to admit that I have some very serious questions about Cliff Kingsbury as an NFL head coach and even a play caller I mean he was touted and held up as this guru the next Sean McVay and some of the play designs and some of the play calls and the game management that we saw from Cliff Kingsbury especially in the second half of the season when the playoffs were on the line it left a lot to be desired but over the weekend Travis Etienne joined Fox Sports and this is Brandon Marshall interviewing him and Brandon Marshall threw out the question and Travis Etienne. Bless his heart. He was honest as could be. All right, so
3: we're this is the last thing, and be quick here. What round we going? What team? Just give me your dream. Give me your dream. So I'm not even going to lie to you. The dream scenario right now, the Cardinals at 16. Oh, I'm throwing it back to
0: you, Chad. The Cardinals at 16. That is the dream scenario. And as much as there still is a lot of unknowns on how The Kyler and Cliff experiment is going to pan out eventually as we get to enter the third year of this experiment. I think it really highlights how other people within the football universe are viewing the Arizona Cardinals. We as fans have become frustrated at times with, like I mentioned, play calling, game decisions, just the way that this is looked. I'll be the first to admit, I thought that the Cardinals offense would be a little bit more evolved than what it was at the tail end of the season. Now, of course, there was, especially week 17, the Kyler Murray injury. And you could make the argument that Kyler Murray was banged up at the second half of this year completely, and that's what changed somewhat of his game. But the idea that you have one of the top running backs in the country, coming from one of the most prestigious college football programs, identifying the Cardinals and saying, That's a team I want to be a part of. That's an offense that I want to be a part of. Has me feeling optimistic about where the Cardinals can continue to turn this. Because as we enter free agency, if that is the same line of thinking for some of these free agents, some of these wide receivers or some of these offensive linemen, and I know it's the other side of the ball, but cornerbacks, linebackers, you know, a guy that can help Shore up the run defense. If that's the same mentality for others within the football universe, then maybe the Arizona Cardinals are trending in a far better direction than the tail end of their 2020 season indicates. Like I said, it's it's a it's a brave new world that we're living in here right now in Arizona sports because with the Phoenix Suns sitting atop near the Western Conference standings, you have the Arizona Cardinals with the JJ Watt signing. Last week, it felt like Phoenix was the epicenter of the world of sports, and when you have comments like this from one of the top prospects at his position, maybe we're going to continue to have this run a little bit, and maybe this starts to become that ideal destination location, not only for draftees hoping that they get picked by an Arizona team, but also for free agents that can make that decision on their own. Coming up next on The Rundown, it's hour number two. We'll get you The Rundown Reload, the top stories of the day, including a huge deal given out to an NFL quarterback. That's all coming up next here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. The Rundown Reload. Rundown Reload. Jordan Bird in for Luke Lipinski on this Monday evening. Time to give you the top stories on what has been a pretty busy day in sports. We start in the NFL with the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott. Everyone was wondering what was going to happen. Are they going to try to tag him again? What was going to be the situation as we get closer and closer to that franchise tag deadline, which is going to be tomorrow? It came out. Adam Schefter of ESPN, the first to report the Cowboys and Dak Prescott have agreed to a four-year, $160 million contract. It includes $126 million guaranteed. Prescott's signing bonus is $66 million, the highest in NFL history, with $75 million due in year one. So on average, over the next three years, He's going to be making $42 million a year. And this is just the cost of business with quarterbacks now in the NFL is that even if you may not be 100% certain that the guy is the the right man for the job, even if you have some questions about the success that he has team-wise and getting deep into the playoffs or even winning or contending for Super Bowls, which feels like the Cowboys haven't contended for a Super Bowl in 30 years. This is what it costs, and specifically for the Arizona Cardinals, this is going to be something that they're going to have to keep an eye on with Kyler Murray as next year, around this time, he will be eligible for his extension off his rookie year. Also in the NFL, Marcus May, the safety for the New York Jets, has been franchise tagged. That came down earlier today, so you're starting to see tags. You're starting to see players get released. The real movements of the NFL offseason are fully underway. Yesterday was the NBA All-Star Game in Atlanta. Team LeBron beating up on Team Durant. Chris Paul, a member of Team LeBron, had 16 assists in the game and now for his career has broken Magic Johnson's career All-Star Game assist record. So kudos to Chris Paul. But even while Paul was a member of the festivities, no Devin Booker as he sat out All-Star Weekend in Atlanta after he banged a knee with Bazemore of Golden State in that game right before the uh, right before the All-Star break. Chris Paul still had his teammate in mind when he was meeting with the media yesterday.
3: I actually just got done talking to Book before I got on here. Um, it's, it's actually tough being here without him. I was telling my brother on the flight yesterday, um, first time... But the last time, me and a teammate, I think, it was me and Blake. I don't know if it was 16, one of those years or whatnot. So I was actually looking forward to come here, come here with Book. Uh, but his health is most important. Um, you know, it's an unfortunate situation, but the timing, you know, going right into this this little break, um, I know him and how much he hates to miss any game. So I know he's, you know, rehabbing and trying to, trying to get ready.
0: I feel bad for Booker that he wasn't able to participate in the game. He wasn't able to be a member of the uh, participant of the three-point contest. But from a Suns fan perspective, this is, I don't want to say great news, because you never want to see one of your players injured, even though it doesn't seem like it's that serious. But you're able to sit down Booker. He's able to not have that mileage or... That uh, those minutes placed on him by playing in the All Star game, albeit it would have only been a you know a quarter and a half at the most, probably in what basically looks like a YMCA rec league game. But nonetheless, now Booker is able to rest for a full week, get completely healthy, and the most important thing now for the Phoenix Suns is keeping this first half momentum of the season carrying it over into the second half of the. 35, 37 games that they have left to go. That's what's of the most importance right now. And so, yeah, it sucked that Devin Booker wasn't able to participate. I know for me personally, it really took a lot of the interest out of All-Star Sunday for me. I was geared up to watch the three-point contest, the skills competition with Chris Paul participating in that. I didn't watch any of it. Didn't watch any of the game either because it just felt a little hollow not having Devin Booker there for the Phoenix Suns. The Arizona Diamondbacks, a 2-2 tie with the San Francisco Giants today in their Cactus League matchup. The real news of the day coming from the Arizona D-backs happened before the game when during his pregame availability, Torrey Lavello said that Nick Ahmed has been dealing with a knee injury and he is going to be day-to-day. I decided to scratch him.
2: Um had some right knee soreness uh, and it's going to be day-to-day. Uh, I just figured at this point in spring training, let him get ahead of that. Uh, And I'll just keep you guys posted on his progress over the coming days. But um, nothing, nothing that we're we're overly concerned about at this point.
0: Which is very good news because right now the Arizona Diamondbacks seem, pardon the pun, they seem a little snake bitten. You have the Cole Calhoun meniscus surgery that uh, could potentially keep him out for the first couple of weeks of the regular season. Tim Lacastro has COVID. He has been out. So nothing major. With the addition of Nick Ahmed, and you're still dodging some significant lengthy absences from your Diamondback squad, but still, it just seems like this team is going to need every available body in all of these pieces, especially Nick Ahmed, Tim LaCastro, and Cole Calhoun. They're going to need those guys if they're going to have any sort of a successful season, and especially for Nick Ahmed, who last year had a very uncharacteristic season, especially defensively, just... Errors and just misplays in the field. That is not Nick Ahmed. He is known for his glove and known for his capabilities at the shortstop position. So not great news, but it looks like the Diamondbacks still were able to dodge a bullet there. In the world of the NFL draft, we were just talking about this the previous segment. Travis Etienne, the running back for the Clemson Tigers, was asked by Fox Sports where he wants to go in terms of his draft stock and he said to
3: Fox Sports he wants to go to the Arizona Cardinals all right so we're this is the last thing and be quick here what round we going what team just give me your dream give me your dream so I'm not gonna lie to you the dream scenario right now the Cardinals at 16 oh I'm throwing it back to you Chad that's his
0: dream scenario coming to the Arizona Cardinals looking at Kyler Murray looking at Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury and what this offense has the potential to do. And I think this is a real a, a real positive in a sense that the Arizona Cardinals are not going to draft Travis Etienne with the 16th pick. I feel very confident in saying that. But it at least shows that there is a willingness and a want to by some of the next wave of NFL talent on the offensive side of the ball that identifies Arizona as an offense they want to be a part of. An offense that they want to play in. And so, even though the Cliff and Kyler experiment is not humming at 100 percent there is still a want to by these individuals to come and be a part of it also now in the NBA Blake Griffin who was bought out last week by the Detroit Pistons he has officially joined the Brooklyn Nets he now joins Kevin Durant Kyrie Irving James Harden and of course head coach Steve Nash as a team that looks like It looks like a quasi-all-star team, maybe from a few years ago with the addition of Blake Griffin. But now you have to wonder how this changes the race in the Eastern Conference. Jay Williams from ESPN Radio earlier this morning says the Eastern Conference race is now over. What a new environment does for players
1: is sometimes it awakens them, especially when they have a chance to win a title. Something that Blake Griffin... He only really had when he was with the Clippers, to be frank with you. Those teams with CP3 and DeAndre Jordan, they always fell short. You add his play with this team,
0: it's over. The game is over. For the Phoenix Suns, though, it raises an interesting question. With more players presumably going to be bought out around the NBA here fairly soon, and even the NBA trade deadline, which I don't think the Phoenix Suns are going to be that involved in, Can the Suns add more to their roster? Is there areas where they need to improve? ESPN's Kevin Pelton was on with Burns and Gambo earlier today and said, the depth that the Suns already have might limit them in what they need to add. It's
2: interesting because I think you would say that depth has certainly been a strength so far for the Suns, the way that second unit is played, particularly when Dario Saric has been healthy and, and creating mismatches as a center. So it's going to be kind of difficult for them to upgrade as compared to a team like Boston stands out at the opposite example, where they've got this really good top-end talent with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, but then you know they only go five or six deep depending on you know who's healthy. So it's going to be relatively easy for a team like Boston, I think to add an upgrade, it gets a little more difficult for the Suns. Coming up next, though, on the rundown, it
0: was one of the major stories here in Arizona, and specifically at arizonasports.com and Arizona Sports ninety eight seven FM. Would the Arizona Cardinals really trade Kyler Murray for Deshaun Watson? Would the Houston Texans actually do that? Would fans want that? It's a divisive issue, a divisive topic. And coming up next, you'll hear from the Houston Chronicle writer who wrote a piece over the weekend saying that's exactly what the Houston Texans should do, trade Deshaun Watson for Kyler Murray. You'll hear parts of that interview coming up next here on The Rundown with Jordan Bird filling in for Luke Lipinski. Jordan Bird in for Luke Lipinski on this edition of The Rundown. Of course, the big story right now in the world of sports is Dak Prescott getting a record contract extension to remain the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. In the NBA, the biggest story this morning was Blake Griffin officially becoming a member of the Brooklyn Nets. This comes on the heels after he was bought out by the Detroit Pistons late last week. So now you turn your attention to the Phoenix Suns because buyouts potentially still could be coming down the pike. And if you look at... The NBA trade deadline, which is still a few weeks away, it just doesn't seem logical or likely that the Phoenix Suns are going to be involved in the trade deadline, either buyers or sellers, obviously not sellers, because this is a contending team right now. This is the best team that the organization has had in a decade. And... There's going to be a I don't know if I mean, you hear some of these ESPN people. I think it was Kevin Pelton earlier today with Burns and Gambo who threw out the idea that with the play in game now a part of the NBA playoffs, you have 10 teams in each conference that consider themselves playoff contenders. And so how likely are some of these teams going to be trading off assets when they have the potential of getting into the play in game or even working themselves up into a higher seed, so the buyout route is probably the most likely option for the Phoenix Suns to add to their roster. But as I mentioned, Kevin Pelton, he was on with the Burns and Gambo show. He's an ESPN NBA writer. He doesn't. He's not so sure that the Suns have really room to add even a bought-out player because of the depth that is already on that Suns roster. It's interesting because
2: I think you would say that depth has certainly been a strength so far for the Suns, the way that second unit is played particularly when Dario Saric has been healthy and, and creating mismatches as a center. So it's going to be kind of difficult for them to upgrade as compared to a team like Boston stands out at the opposite example where they've got this really good top-end talent with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, but then you know they only go five or six deep depending on you know who's healthy. So it's going to be relatively easy for a team like boston i think to add an upgrade it gets a little more difficult for the suns
0: but where do the suns need to even add if they were to add and obviously it goes to the bench and for me there are two areas of note a backup shooting guard or a backup wing player and a backup big man because right now the suns when healthy they seem to have all the requisite pieces that they need but specifically in those two areas, there are still some questions. There still are some issues and it just so happens that some of the more likely buyout candidates out there happen to be big men. You've got Andre Drummond, who has been bantied about the last uh, couple of days as a potential buyout and also JaVale McGee, both of the Cleveland cabs and both guys that could fill that need as a backup center or a backup big man. And in years past, I mean, we're hearing that Andre Drummond, there is potential interest from the L.A. Lakers in adding him. And any time you're trying to compete with the Lakers and LeBron James and the recruitment power that he and that organization have, it's a it, it's a exercise in futility. You're not going to win, at least in the past. Well, the Suns were never contenders in the past. Now, with where they currently stand in the Western Conference standings, they become a legitimate destination, a legitimate option for these guys who are going to be bought out. And that was something that Bobby Marks told Burns and Gambo last week. He was asked, how attractive is Phoenix going to be to bought out players who want to play for a contending team?
2: They're right up there with with the two LA teams, and I I think certainly Brooklyn, I think Hey, the weather's great, as you guys know, and I think guys want to get. You know, if you're getting there at the end of March and in April, and you're confident, and you can play into into June, um, you've got that aspect of it. It's a good place to live, and and you got a good team. I mean, those are the two most important. Those are the two most important things that you know players
0: look at. It's so funny. We've always here in Arizona looked at our weather as something that is you know, used as a bargaining chip in trying to bring players to Arizona and bring them to the Valley. And with J.J. Watt, and now in that cut from Bobby Marks, who we're not sure if that will come to fruition, but that is now being looked at as something that legitimately could happen. You know, the sleeping giant that the Valley sports scene is may start to be able to pay off in some of these respects. And I'm not trying to compare the addition of J.J. Watt to the Cardinals to a JaVel McGee or an Andre Drummond. But the fact remains that the Phoenix Suns, with what they have done in the first half of the season, are an enticing option for guys that may be looking for a new home here in the next week or so. Chop the beat, the beat, the beat. Well, for the Arizona Cardinals, there are still some major questions that are left to be out there, and that's pertaining to their roster from last year. The two biggest, Patrick Peterson and Larry Fitzgerald, what do their futures hold? Now, earlier in the program, I said about both of these individuals, I have already made my peace that they're not going to be here in one form or another. Patrick Peterson, I fully believe, is going to take a more lucrative offer to go somewhere else in the NFL through free agency. And with Larry Fitzgerald, either he's going to retire or he's going to go to a contending team. I don't think it's a... Complete shocker if Larry Fitzgerald goes to a Minnesota or a Tampa Bay. As crazy as that may sound, it wouldn't necessarily surprise me. Larry Fitzgerald is down to his last years here. We we keep saying that probably for the last half decade, but it feels especially true now. And if he were to go to Minnesota, his home, I'm not gonna hold that against him. If he were to go to Tampa Bay with Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich, with a on paper, greater chance of contending for a Super Bowl title right now than the Arizona Cardinals, I'm not going to hold out against them either. Um, But I find it really bizarre that we have yet to hear anything specifically on Larry Fitzgerald. And I know Steve Kime said during his press conference last week that the Cardinals don't necessarily need to have a decision from Larry Fitzgerald by the time NFL free agency begins. But it sure would be nice it sure would be nice to be clued in on that. And I have to believe that there has been some sort of conversation, some sort of dialogue, and the Cardinals know what Larry Fitzgerald's going to do. They just haven't made it public yet. Now, there was uh, a report last week that uh, Larry Fitzgerald has been in talks with TV networks about joining either their studio crew or joining a game day booth operation. I could totally see Larry Fitzgerald doing that and being very successful in that respect. But as we get we're now a week and a couple of days away from the start of NFL free agency, if Larry Fitzgerald actually hasn't informed the Arizona Cardinals yet of which direction he is leaning, that's not fair to the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, what are you waiting for to base your decision off of? You know the major pieces that are coming back. You know that there's going to be roster turnover like there is every year. The J.J. Watt signing now has almost a week of growth on it for you to digest it if that was going to sway you one direction or another. And so if it really is true, the the company line that Steve Kime, Cliff Kingsbury, even J.J. Watt, who was asked about Larry Fitzgerald, if it truly is accurate that they don't know what he's going to do yet, I think that's a disservice to the Arizona Cardinals. And as much as Larry Fitzgerald means to this team and means to this organization, and as much as Michael Bidwell and Steve Kime are going to allow Larry Fitzgerald to do things on his own timeline, it's also i mean just kind of flat-out rude in a respect that you're not going to cue them in into what your decision is. That's why I think it's, it, that's not the case. I truly believe that the Arizona Cardinals know what he's going to do. And they're either buying their time to wait for the perfect opportunity to announce his retirement, or they're waiting for the perfect time to announce that Larry Fitzgerald is going to dip his toe into free agency and go somewhere else, which would be catastrophic for a lot of Cardinal fans. But as I said earlier, Larry Fitzgerald, no matter what happens, no matter even if he goes and finishes his career with a different team, he will always and forever be an Arizona Cardinal. That will not change. I know they don't do this with the NFL Hall of Fame. It's not like the Baseball Hall of Fame. But if you were to go in as a member of an organization, without question, even if you were to go win a Super Bowl and a back-to-back run by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Larry Fitzgerald would go into Canton as a member of the Arizona Cardinals. And so I just think that it, it, it can't be this limbo that they're it's being perceived as to the public that, well, you know, we're not sure yet what he's going to do. I just can't believe that is the case. So to me, it's down to one or two options. It's either Larry Fitzgerald's going to retire, and they're picking the right time to do that, or he's actually going to go test free agency. He's actually going to go try to sign with someone else, even though his entire history, his entire talking points has always said that he would end his career with the Cardinals, Things change. People change. And the idea of getting a Super Bowl ring is the only thing that has eluded Larry Fitzgerald to this point. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised, and I wouldn't hold it against him if that's actually the route that he decides to go. Coming up next, our final segment of this edition of The Rundown, we'll turn back to the NFL. Dak Prescott just got paid, the highest paid quarterback now in NFL history, the highest guaranteed money in NFL history. What does that contract mean for the future of Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals? We'll get into that next here on The Rundown. Jordan Bird in for Luke Lipinski. The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's
1: sports station.
0: Well, if you haven't heard yet, Dak Prescott just got paid today. A $160 million dollar contract, including $126 million of that guaranteed, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. He has uh, the, the first three years of the deal are going to be an average of $42 million. Dollars. The signing bonus alone is $66 million, and that is an NFL record. A lot of these numbers I'm throwing out are NFL records. And I think a lot of people immediately go to the idea of, what are the Dallas Cowboys thinking? Why are you paying that much money for a guy who team-wise has not had a whole lot of success for the Dallas Cowboys? I mean, I was talking about it with Jeff Darge, who's a technical director tonight during one of the breaks. The last time the Dallas Cowboys were in a Super Bowl, Jeff Darge was, what did you say, 40 minutes old? 40 hours. 40 hours. Excuse me. I was shortchanging there, you there a little bit. 1996. That's the last time the Dallas Cowboys were in the big game. I mean, I love to throw it in Cowboys fans' faces, the Cardinals, the lowly Arizona Cardinals have been to a Super Bowl more recently than the Dallas Cowboys. And so when you put that into context, it just does not seem to compute for a lot of people. But that's the way business is done now in the NFL. And that's the way specifically you have to handle these quarterbacks. And so when you think about Kyler Murray and the way that he's going to be up for a contract extension after this upcoming season. You better believe that unless something catastrophic happens, the Arizona Cardinals are going to pay Kyler Murray a ton of money. Now, it may not quite reach these levels of Dak Prescott, but if you're talking about 40, high 30s, million dollars a year, yeah, that's going to be the price tag. And in terms of Kyler Murray, there has been nothing as of right now that really should dissuade you on that. He is a two-time Pro Bowler in his two first years of NFL play. Yes, he still has room to improve. Yes, there are still blemishes on his game, and he needs to iron those out. But as of right now, Kyler Murray seems to be trending in the right direction. Now, he hasn't met those lofty expectations or those lofty benchmarks that were set by Pat Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, where they were winning NFL MVPs in their early parts of their career. But that's unrealistic. That's truly unattainable. I mean, those are the exceptions, not the rule when it comes to young quarterbacks in the NFL. But this idea of paying Kyler Murray was something that has been on the mind for weeks now. And if you go back to the middle part of February, when Steve kime was on Newsmaker Week with Doug and Wolf. He was asked the question: Are you ready to begin contract extension discussions with Kyler Murray? Well, I mean, it's a hypothetical. I would hope so. I mean, if
3: if, if we're talking contract after next year, it means that he's. Continue- to ascend and to
1: become the player that we envisioned, but um, again, that's that's hard to say at this point. But um, uh, have a lot of respect for Kyler and uh, love his work ethic and what he brings to the table
0: as our quarterback. And again, I, I'm I'm betting on the come, and I certainly believe that uh,
1: that that he is our franchise quarterback.
0: But what this does within the context of the Cardinals is it adds extra pressure on the key principles of this organization, Steve Keim, Cliff Kingsbury, and Kyler Murray. And I said this after the J.J. Watt sign-in as well. The defense just got bolstered by adding a three-time defensive player of the year. So the offense now has to carry their share of the workload. If you go back to last year, 2020, Week 16, Week 17, must-win games, Cardinals only had to win one of the two, and they were going to be in the playoffs. It was the offense of the Arizona Cardinals and not the defense that prevented them from ultimately winning those games and getting into the playoffs. So now, especially with the looming possibility of a contract extension, more pressure on Kime, more pressure on Kingsbury, and more pressure on Kyler Murray to actually produce and feel like it is worthy of him to get that contract extension. And And let's be quite honest with one another here you may not even feel like he has lived up to 38 million or 40 million if it gets that high, but that's the cost of doing business with an NFL quarterback right now and a young guy who could be on the move. So just something to keep an eye on now for the Arizona Cardinals as Dak Prescott got paid. And you better believe Kyler Murray coming down the road. He's probably going to get paid just as well. (laughs) The Phoenix Suns are one of the pleasant surprises around the NBA so far this season as they go into the All-Star break, or I should say as we come out of the All-Star break. They are the second seed as we currently stand in the Western Conference standings, I think surprising a lot of people. And now some of the actual individuals on the Suns' roster and then their organization are starting to, rightfully so, get the respect and the attention that they deserve. That was especially true of General Manager James Jones, who... Yesterday was praised by LeBron James during the pregame interview process before the All-Star game. Now, keep in mind, LeBron James played with James Jones, so these guys are boys. But LeBron was very emphatic about his praise of the job the Suns general manager has done so far this season.
1: He should get the majority of the credit. Um, and the reason why is because he put he put that team together and then he pressed the button to get CP3 to Phoenix. And we all know CP3's resume. When CP3 goes to a team, they automatically becomes a better team. And James Jones pressed that button. Um, you know, I love what he does. First of all, he's a great man, great family man, great person. Um, and he's good, and he's damn good at what he does. And, um, you know, I don't think a lot of people have talked about that, um, you know, coming into the season, of the job that James Jones has done in Phoenix. Um, but he sh- he deserves, you know, Pretty much come I mean, He hired Monty Williams, um, you know, made the trade for CP, and they're sitting up in the top of the, uh, of the league with one of the best records. So, um, the proof is in the pudding, as they, as they as they would say.
0: If the Suns continue this, you better believe James Jones is going to be a front runner for executive of the year for the NBA, and also Monty Williams, who was already predicted at the beginning of the season to be a very likely contender for coach of the year, he's going to be at the top of that list as well. But also some of the other people in the Suns organization are starting to garner some attention. Dario Saric was identified by Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer today as he was writing his article about the NBA team rankings. And in his write-up for the Phoenix Suns, which he had at number 5 in the league, he wrote that Dario Saric needs to be a part of the six-man conversation. Probably not going to win that award, but it, you know the idea that he's getting that attention, he's getting that recognition, being a part of the conversation speaks volumes. I said earlier, Mikel Bridges won't win most improved player. But what he's done with his offense, while still maintaining that high level of defense... He has been a revelation for the Phoenix Suns this season, so it's just fun to be a part of conversations like this as opposed to playing draft tracker and trying to figure out where the Suns are going to be in the lottery. That's going to do it for this edition for The Rundown. Thanks to Jeff Darge and Luke Lipinski. I have been Jordan Bird. Have a great rest of your weekend here on 98.7 FM.